Welcome to the season two of the Smart and Sustainable City podcast. For smart cities around the globe, there is an imperative to become more sustainable, to better use their resources and to reduce their carbon emissions. Smart cities are striving for sustainability through building smarter urban transport networks, improving their water supply and their waste disposal facilities. They are designing more efficient ways to light and heat buildings. Recognizing that we need to transform our society into a sustainable one, the European Commission presented on December 11th of 2019 a European Green Deal in order to be the first climate-neutral continent. According to the Commission, between 1990 and 2018, greenhouse gas emissions decreased in Europe by 23%, while the economy grew by 61%. So we're not starting from scratch. But there's so much more that we need to do. The European Environmental Agency published a report in 2019 that suggested that 400,000 premature deaths per year today are due to air pollution. Another commission study looked at the climate impact on Europe and projected a 190 billion annual loss projected for a 3 degree Celsius increase in global average temperature. Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, said the European Green Deal is our new growth strategy. It will help us cut emission while creating jobs. The use of information and communication technologies, ICT, will be key in helping to address some of these challenges. In the European Commission, the Directorate General for Communications Network, Content and Technology, otherwise known as DG Connect, is the Commission's department responsible to develop a digital single market to generate smart, sustainable and inclusive growth in Europe. Our guest today is Cristina Martinez from DG Connect. Cristina is the deputy head for smart mobility and living. Cristina and I discuss the sustainability challenges European cities face today and some of the initiatives that the European Commission and DG Connect is taking to address them. Hello, everybody. I'm Cristina Martinez Gonzalez. I work uh, in the European Commission, which is the executive branch of the European Union, one of the uh, most important institutions to um, support the transformation of Europe. We are uh, dealing with digital policy, and what we do at the moment is concentrating on helping Europe to transform itself into a sustainable society that is fit for the digital age. I've been in the Commission since 2002. I have uh, worked previously for the United Nations and I've worked also for a private, a private company dealing with technology uh, development. I have three children and I am um, a real European born in Belgium of Spanish extraction, uh, talking in Spanish to my children and playing in English uh, online. So you're really living Europe as a European citizens, multilingual, multinational, and having lived in, in, in multiple countries. Probably like a lot of people there out there, we are, you know, so many people who love to travel, um, you know, try and have new experiences in other countries, probably as you, Pierre. 
So uh, yes, this is uh, I have a very classic uh, profile actually. Uh, this is Europe today. Europe is full of people like me who are you know working abroad, traveling a lot, settling down in different places. The role of digital has come to be very important in the growth of Europe, and particularly in the past six months. Digital is very, let's say, natural for the young generations, but it's probably not the case for everybody. And it's also perhaps easier to adopt uh, for a big city, which has the capacity to, to really embrace uh, the digitalization of its services. But it's certainly not the case for all the cities in Europe. Uh, and not all the member states have uh, large cities like Paris or Barcelona or Amsterdam. So we have to, to be mindful of that reality and the diversity of the landscape. It makes it quite difficult, in fact, to come with one solution or one proposal to digitalize Europe. So yes, it's uh, very important that we, we start now um, scaling up solutions in a way that are um, mindful of this reality. Would you say that governments have to deal with a digital divide, that certain cities are much better equipped with digital infrastructure and that maybe the countryside or smaller cities have to catch up? Probably, yes. Um, and we are trying now to get uh, facts uh, and build evidence and, and launch initiatives based on that evidence. So we have indicators like the DESI indicators, for instance, which gives us a good uh, overview of the level of penetration of technology in the different member states. And we, we see indeed, as you said, that there is a digital divide, uh, not only in the population, but also in the uh, geographical coverage. And so our, our initiatives now are trying to embrace that reality. For instance, last year, there was a call for uh, vouchers to equip communities with Wi-Fi services, public Wi-Fi services, It has been a tremendous success for my colleagues who, who launched this initiative. We have to use open standards that help cities to equip themselves with services from, um, from small players, from large players, irrespective of the technology that is already being installed in their uh, city departments. And only by having this open approach you can ensure that there is a level playing field for all the small businesses, but also for the citizens who want to launch new services or create innovative services based on the data, the applications that are put uh, forward by the uh, city authorities. We want to do it, but we want to do it in the European way, which is to uh, give us that liberty to choose which type of applications or service providers we want to run on top of our existing infrastructure. And that's very powerful because I think that it also um, reflects the reality of the uh, industrial fabric in Europe, which is composed of small, small enterprises, contrary to other regions of the world where most of the ICT service providers are very large companies. And so we give also a voice here to these local players who know very well their city, who know the people, the stakeholders that should be involved in the design of a specific solution for the specific problems. And those designers will not be locked by specific technology, but rather oh, proprietary technology, but in the contrary, will be able to very easily develop an application for that city. We talked about the challenges of bridging the digital divide for 
for governments and, and, and cities and enabling citizens to, to take action. Could you speak a little more to this? At the highest policy level um, or at the very uh, concrete level of action, we always need to put the user in the center. What I can say from the, um, from the urban policy perspective and from the smart cities perspective is that um, everyone recognizes that a successful project requires the full engagement of the people who will benefit from the services or the solutions that you're, tr that you're trying to create. So you cannot do it if you don't have the people who will be using those services or who will be benefiting from those services. You have to engage them from the onset of your idea to design the boundaries or the funding requirements that are needed to develop those solutions. And so we call this open innovation, stakeholder engagement. I mean, these are the best words that, that you can hear, but actually they are demonstrating uh, their effectiveness in most of the projects that we're funding either through our research program or through other programs. That means that you need to have a way to reach out to the users. And this can only be done by, by having uh, as an intermediary, um, the city, the local authorities, which are able to convey at the table all the stakeholders that are required in order to define or to design a good solution. This is also reflected in the approach that the Commission is taking in designing our digital policy. If you look at what we're doing on the artificial intelligence side, the white paper that was published says that it's very important that we, we put humans in the center because we need to understand what um, intelligent systems um, are doing, especially when they are, um, let's say, learning and therefore um, improving or upgrading their capabilities. It's very important that we still understand, you know, what they're doing. So keeping the user always in the center is, I think, the wisest way to um, develop a digital society that does not forget what the values uh, of this society are and, and does not, let's say, become a threat to those values. Christina, what big challenge do you see governments and cities face today? The biggest challenge ahead, so beyond this COVID crisis and probably the uh, very heavy and difficult crisis, economic crisis that will follow, I see another one coming after, which unfortunately will not happen in stages, but, but this is already hitting us. And that is the biodiversity loss and the climate change that uh, scientists are, are telling us is going to be a dramatic threat for the way we live today. So this is about not only um, decreasing our electricity consumption and sorting out our, our plastics, but it's also about transforming the way in which we use our, our resources, transform them, and then uh, recycle them. So. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that um, the society that we have at the moment uh, doesn't seem sustainable in the long term because we don't let our planet, in fact, to regenerate itself um, sufficiently for the uh, type of usage that we do of our natural resources. 
However, we do need them. It's uh, fundamental for us to have clean water, to have clean air, to have sufficient biodiversity so that our agriculture still produces the food we need. What is, I think, more complex for us is to understand how we can change the way in which we consume, we, we travel, uh, we, we produce uh, goods, while at the same time maintaining a certain level of prosperity and well-being for everybody. And so this is, I think, the challenge. So in order to do so before it's too late, the Commission proposed a very important package of measures called the European Green Deal. The European Green Deal is about addressing precisely the fundamental elements that need to be changed in order to embrace a society that is more sustainable. So for instance, we look at what we call the energy production and we try to clean our energy sector, counting more on renewables, but also um, being smarter at the way we consume energy. We look also at aspects such as the food value chain, which is one of the biggest CO2 emitters in the, uh, in, in the context of uh, uh, greenhouse gases which are, as you know, one of the root causes of climate change. We have also to look at the chemicals which are polluting our soils, which have, uh, you know, which are creating also um, dramatic changes in our agriculture and, and some other initiatives that have to do with sustainable production and consumption, like uh, a new way to build the economy. We call it a circular economy concept. It's a very powerful paradigm that says that we should be trying to move away from the typical linear model of extracting, consuming, and then disposing, but rather see how we can reuse uh, what is already extracted in order to renew, regenerate our natural resources. And so with these limits in mind, the biggest difficulty is to build a vision that will embrace all the constituents of this society and make it sufficiently appealing for all the citizens, for the businesses, for the financial uh, sector, but as well as for the uh, other sectors of the economy who, who still rely on the current model to embrace that vision in such a way that together, because we will not succeed only with legislative measures, we will not succeed only with uh, funding coming from the European Union, it will have to be taken seriously by everybody. And that's where your initial question comes into, into the, the picture is, how do we make sure that we, we have a project that is sufficiently appealing for everybody to take it? Well, actually, I believe that it would be, um, if we look at it very carefully, it's the other way around. In fact, a lot of people know already what's going on. They have it right. Look at the young demonstrations in the streets. Uh, look at the way uh, some local communities are taking back some of the services and creating new ways of doing things. Look at how intellectuals, artists are engaging themselves into this public debate. I think that a lot of us care about this issue. I do believe that we're now meeting in the middle by somehow aligning their willingness to change our society, to make it more sustainable, to provide our young generations with a positive project, while at the same time still um, maintaining and providing prosperity prospects for, for the uh, industry, for the businesses, because we still have an economy that has to thrive, right? So that's how we see it. And I think that by having projects that are 
actually developing themselves at the local level, such as the smart cities, sustainable cities projects, uh, we're bridging the gap between this policy level while at the same time empowering those uh, people in the ground who are actually delivering that change. And we're channeling the funding coming from the European Union to the place where it makes the most difference. So um, people have projects to make their cities more livable, to perhaps remove pollution from the city centers. They create not zero emission zones now. They are recreating the urban design around those ideas, mindful of the objectives that is to decarbonize cities, to move away from an old model that was built in a totally different context. We were less sensitive, let's put it like this, at that time of the environmental and also the social impacts of that model. Christina, you, we've talked about the need to address the digital divides, the importance of human-centered, citizen-driven initiatives. And now we've just touched on the importance of sustainability and how all of those are happening at the same time. The opportunity is everywhere. And it's not a matter of being the best, but it's a matter of improving. Every city is different but can learn from other cities in the way they tackled a particular challenge. Absolutely. And that's what we do with the declaration. So the cities, more than 70 cities at the moment, which have signed the Joint Boost Sustained Declaration, are actually there together to do that purpose. There are other initiatives, um, for instance, the European Innovation Partnerships on Smart Cities, which is a kind of big forum where cities, but also service providers and citizens and technology providers are gathering together to exchange about their projects, um, is yet another example of how we can learn from each other and, and therefore have many, many uh, progresses Christina, one of the challenges that some of the listeners are facing is that they have ideas, they want to uh, help their city improve, they have uh, an initiative on, let's say, sustainability that involves digital. Where do they start? How do they seek for help and assistance? Okay, so a very simple way is the Living in EU declaration. It's called Join, Boost, Sustain. The web, the URL is uh, living in EU. Very simple. You can um, look for the keywords, join, boost, sustain, or living in EU. This is um, a declaration that is led by cities and communities who are looking for digital solutions to tackle their problems. Um, in the declaration that you can read and that you can even sign, you will, be, you will see that there is um, an appeal to join forces and develop common standards and common ways to tackle those issues while still being mindful of each city community's diversity. Through this declaration, the cities will be invited to join a group of uh, stakeholders who are working in parallel to address things like, how do I finance my project? Which type of technology do I need? How do I procure for that technology? How can I get help to train the people in my city or to engage with my citizens? These are very important questions that are being discussed and for which we have a lot of solutions. We have even an inventory of solutions that is already prepared just from the beginning so that they can start very, very quickly. And then there are also other initiatives uh, led by the commission this time, like the forthcoming mission on climate neutral and smart cities, 
which will be helping about 100 cities in Europe to decarbonize themselves by 2030. So this is a very heavy, very ambitious project. And we will be setting up a vehicle that will support cities in a kind of one-to-one relationship, providing them with the technical assistance and support that they need to design a plan and implement it with access, privileged access to all the funding available, be it at the European level or at the national level or at the local level, helping them to build proposals, to write terms of reference for procuring solutions, to um, pool existing resources actually, coming from all over Europe at the service of their own plan. Of course, there are many more initiatives supported by the European Commission Notably, uh, I have to remind you this, of course, we have still the cohesion and structural funds, which also have a very important chapter on on cities and sustainable cities are definitely uh, receiving a lot of support from the EU budget. There are many, many initiatives. Perhaps they may want to reach out to us and my team will certainly help them to find their way out in this wealth of possibilities. There is funding with structural funds. There is a strong framework for cities and citizens to look at to facilitate some of the launch or growth of their initiatives. And also the ability to connect cities and initiatives between themselves to learn from best practices. Absolutely, absolutely. So there are many networks like like the uh, EuroCities network, the Covenant of Mayors, who are already very much engaged into that journey. We have uh, ourselves supported many of them. We will continue to do so if the uh, co-legislators agree, meaning the member states and the European Parliament agree, in the next uh, multi-annual financial framework that is starting now, we will be launching a lot of programs such as the Digital Europe program that will also look into um, deployment of technology and solutions for cities. There will be um, a lot of opportunities also if cities are willing to engage into more sophisticated solutions, like for instance, AI-based services, using the power of algorithm to develop solutions that um, can cope with complex situations. We will have testing facilities for that purpose. We will have data spaces federated, built around small cities in order to provide them with open data, immediately even real-time data. There will be a lot of new stuff coming, like for instance, digital twins. Do you know what digital twins are? Well, yes, but tell us your, your view on digital twins. I like it very much because I think digital twins are a very nice way actually to get citizen involvement in a project. So a digital twin is, if you wish, it's the modeling, it's the virtual uh, replica of of an object, of a system, of a person, of a city, it doesn't matter. So you can do it with a lot of things. You can do it with, um, for instance, the human body, okay? So what you do is actually you replicate the whole system, uh, the, the, the traffic, um, the buildings, uh, the, the physical elements of, of that system, of the city in this case. And um, you use your modeling as a way to visualize not only the current situation, but also to modelize, build scenarios and see what would be the impact of 
of a new scenario, of a new decision, of changing this element in the city on so many factors. For instance, you want to build a new um, roundabout in uh, in a neighborhood, but you don't know whether the roundabout will not create uh, you know a spillover effect or will will have you know will create more traffic jams in another part uh, of the city. So by modelizing it with highly sophisticated technology that includes you know sensor data and other types of data you can really uh, visualize what will be the impact of that proposal and you can show it actually because there are also visualizing tools that can help you to demonstrate to to the people who are interested you know what it will look like what will be its impact um, and so on and so forth and so it's quite a it's it's more than a fancy tool actually it's a very powerful tool to support decision making we should not be scared by AI and about digital twins, but we should be inspired about the possibilities that they provide. As with any new technology, so we have been facing this type of situation all the time in her in our history. Technology is neutral. What you do with it, uh, you know, will have an impact. So you have to decide what are the boundaries for the usage of technology and make sure that you channel it only for, for purposes that are, uh, let's say, respectful of, of those boundaries. In this case, I see a lot of advantages indeed. And of course, we have in place in Europe a policy framework that protects citizens uh, from thing, issues like, uh, you know, privacy breaches or threat you may imagine with uh, with the technology. But uh, but in this case, this is really it's it's a tool to support your decision. It's not something that will uh, have an influence on on the city management itself. However, you could imagine later on using a dashboard where all the services of the city that are digitalized, meaning control through uh, information and communication technologies, uh, could be indeed um, managed. And that could give you indeed a lot of capacity to react and be more resilient to what's coming. Knowing and understanding, sensing actually through your sensors, through any type of data collection in the city, what's going on, what's happening, on, in real time, uh, gives you uh, a possibility to react and, and therefore adapt to what's coming. So I think it's also a powerful tool for adaptation. And this is why we promote this type of solutions, uh, provided that, again, they're respectful of the EU policy framework. A fascinating conversation. Christina Martinez, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Smart and Sustainable City podcast. If you're responsible for a Smart City initiative, do reach out. You can reach us at pierre.murles at partner360.net.